Man, it's uh, great to be here with you this morning, and uh, it's a day of many firsts. Uh, we're starting a new sermon series today called All I Need, and uh, we're looking through the greatness of our God and the sufficiency of our God. We'll talk through that in just a moment. Uh, day of first. It's the first day with my new Bible. Got a new Bible here, and uh, excited to go after that. Some of you are like, what'd you get a new Bible for, man? And, and uh I needed bigger font, so we'll just move on from there. But, uh, hey man, if you need a new Bible, we got some great Bibles in the bookstore. You might want to step by and check it out. There's some large font over there. So anyway, this is working out well for me. And, uh, you know what? I love to be able to, uh, get away in the fall, take advantage of this weather to get out and, uh, do a little bow hunting. And, uh, Honestly, most of the time, I just enjoy sitting there and enjoying the break and uh, getting my mind off of whatever else was going on and and uh, enjoying the weather. But um, it's always a good time to get away. And uh, this past weekend, got to go bow hunting yesterday morning and then dress up and went to a purity ball last night. There's a weird combo. And uh, so it was a good time to be able to do both of those in one day. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, I uh, actually went out to go bow hunting and uh, it was a little bit of a drizzle, which... Not the greatest fun to sit in, but quite frankly, great chance to see deer in the midst of it. A front's moving in, they try to get out ahead of it, and I'm like, all right, I'm going out, I'm going to be committed to this, and went over, I'm talking to the owner of the property, and we're chatting a little bit, and I said, okay, I'm going to go out, and it's starting to rain a little harder. As I'm walking to the truck, I'm like, oh, it's getting harder and harder rain, here we go, and I open up the door, and I forgot the bow. How, how in the world, how in the world do you go bow hunting and not have a bow? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, where did I even leave it? I know I brought it up from the basement and I end up having to get in the truck and drive back home. And uh, by the time I get home, there's no way I can go back and get out. And sure enough, I left it sitting there right on its side, perfectly standing up in its case in the garage. And I pull it next to it and I come in and John is like, what happened? Did you decide not to go? Uh, no. Lisa comes up next to her. Do you remember this? Lisa comes up next to her and goes, what happened, dad? I'm like, well, uh, just uh, whatever. She goes, you can say it. You left the bow in the garage. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So now I uh, pack everything in two cases, one for the bow case and one in a backpack, everything in those two things. And if I'm going hunting, I just have to have camo on and then grab those two things and I'm good. So I don't forget it by loading everything into the truck and forget something important, like maybe a weapon, like, right? And uh, all right, what's the point? All too often we jump into life and we did not come ready for the journey. And how many of you are jumping into this life? How many of you are headed out for what we're going after day after day and uh, living it out for our king? Or maybe you're even here today and you're like, I don't even know what it means to follow Jesus. I'm here because some friend told me about it and I don't know which way is up right now. And I'm telling you what, you need to keep your ears peeled for the next six weeks. We are walking through all I need. Make sure you have this packed up and go in the right direction because this is everything you need. Nothing beyond this. God's got it in hand. Let's take a look at what he's saying, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. That's where we're going to get it started here today. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 1. We got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand and uh, they will get one to you. Just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you. 2 Corinthians 3, 
Verse 1 is where we're starting. Well, here in the pages turn. All you're like, I only know how to go to Romans. Right? <laughs> uh, I know. Just a little further on. And, uh, all right. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 11. What are our steps? What do we need to know? My sufficiency is in God. How do we live that out? First step. Hey, don't brag. Allow your impact in the lives of others to speak for you. Don't brag. Allow your impact in the lives of others to speak for you. When you're packing up and heading on this journey, make sure it's not a self-proclamation trip. Okay? And uh, so let's just walk through this a little bit. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? And uh, the implied answer to these questions is... No, right? This is not what we need. And he's like, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? And, uh, beginning to commend. Remember that word commend? We just talked about it last week at the end of Romans 16. And, and Phoebe, he's like, I commend Phoebe to you. Right? This is a thing that was done back in that day and age. For someone where you maybe didn't know them as a speaker or their life, you would get somebody to speak on their behalf saying they're worth getting to know. And he's like, do we need that? Is that what this is all about? And, uh, and are we giving it ourselves? Uh, just so you know, that's the worst form of commendation, right? Self-proclamation. And uh, are you guys needing commendation of who we are? And do you need us to even be saying it ourselves? He's like, are we beginning that again? What is that again phrase? And uh, So somewhere in the past, he's been doing this before. You actually see a little of it in 1 Corinthians 4 and in 1 Corinthians 9 where he's having to defend himself. He may be alluding to those moments. He may be alluding to another, but at some point he had to kind of go down the path where he was given a little bit of a resume on what's going on. What's he talking about? Well, if you go back to the end of uh, 2 Corinthians 2, right before this chapter 3, right? Look what he says. He says, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word. But as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. The verse right before it, it starts out, who is sufficient for those things? And his answer is, well, actually, we are. Who is sufficient to be able to deliver up the message of God's glory? And, and he's like, we are. Hang on, hang on. Don't get all uptight. I'm not making much of me, right? I've got some point here. And he's going to go on then. And uh, he's like, I'm just telling you, I have the privilege of sharing the gospel. And yes, God's been able to use it. And Christ's been speaking through us. And starting in chapter 3, 1, what? Are we beginning to commend ourselves? You hearing it? He's like, look, this isn't some self-proclamation thing. There is a sufficiency going on. And we're going to talk about it in just a moment. And who is sufficient for those things? And, uh, you know, that word sufficient has really been messed up in the American society. We take a lot of really good words and we tank them. You ever notice that the word literally meant before it would take every need and fill it. Nothing else is needed sufficient. And now we're like, eh, it could be sufficient, right? It actually sounds like it's small. It's maybe okay. It may be a little better than okay. It might be kind of good, but it doesn't mean great or excellent. And it certainly isn't filling all the needs. It's just sufficient, right? I don't know why we tank these words in society and why we make them less. We'd like to make some words so huge and then we take really great words and make them small. And so let's be careful as we see the word sufficiency throughout scripture. It's implying every need filled because of it. Absolutely nothing else needed. 
all I need. That's what it's implying. All right. Okay. So let's keep moving here. He says, um, do we need letters of recommendation to you or from you? Like, come on, man, you guys know us and you know what's going on. Do you need us to get a letter written out to you? Do you need us to actually have one written from you where you're getting some people to condone what's going on in our lives? And, and his answer right after it, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts. I love that phrase. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation. The church on fire speaks greatly of the pastor and the pastors around it. That's what he's saying. In other words, can you please stop with the self-proclamation and get your church lit up for Christ? Uh, There could be no greater message to a pastor than this one verse. Uh, You best understand that if your people aren't digging deep and getting passionate about God and his glory, if they're not making much of their king, if he's not changing them from the inside out, it doesn't matter whatever else you're going to talk about next. Like somehow, God being glorified and the church lifted up and on fire. That's the letter of recommendation. And Paul is like, I'm just telling you, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation. He's speaking to the church at Corinth and they had a lot of little issues going on, right? If you go back to 1 Corinthians and see the number of different problems they had going on, there was a lot happening. And yet there was fire. And there was growth and there was passion. And and Paul's like, I'm just telling you, you, man, that's what I'm excited about. I'm not bragging on me. I'm looking at you and seeing what God's doing in you. And that's our letter of recommendation. It says, written on our hearts. This is Paul's passion statement. Like, you matter to me. And I love hearing about what God's doing, and I'm thrilled to hear the testimony of all that's going on and and, uh, written on our hearts. You're important to me. I read passages like this, and um, I'm excited for Paul that he had that moment. I'm just telling you, I'm passionately excited that that's our experience around here, that we have a church on fire for Jesus Christ. And uh, for those of you visiting here, I'm just telling you, this place is on fire. Like God's doing something in this place and in this space. And, and when people come in here expectant for God to move, it's amazing what he does. And, uh, there is passion and there is hunger and you guys are seeking for transformation and growth. And, and uh, it's a privilege to be able to open up God's word uh, before you and have you take it home and go after it with all you've got. God's doing something huge here and uh, written on our hearts. And uh, my passion is for you. Uh, there's a lot of times where we hurt with you or for you and we're praying for you and longing for you and I can't tell you what a privilege it is to be a part of a church that does have it on fire right now. And uh, join us. The water's fine. And uh, love worshiping our king, all right? So he goes into a little bit of a metaphor here and he says, to be read by all. Like you're the message that everyone else is reading. Like people are looking around and they're seeing the church at Corinth and they're seeing the fire that's going on and they're like, wow, God must be awesome because I know what that place was like before. And uh, that place had it messed up and look what God is doing there and read by all. That's called a testimony, right? And uh, we have the opportunity to live out our lives before our God 
in real commitment to him, fired up, where he's taking us one degree of glory to the next, where he's moving us along a path, showing us where we could make some adjustments to get him more, to understand him more. And the people around you actually learn from that testimony, living it out. Don't mishear me. It doesn't mean that uh, at times we aren't responsible for the words and being able to share of the reason of the hope that's in us. Be ready to give an answer, but you better best be living it out as well. A testimony on fire for Christ, showing much to this world that your God is awesome. There's a lot of you that have either come from church or maybe started it up here where church is nothing but a set of things you do to check a box. And if there wasn't pressure from family in some way, I wouldn't be here. And uh, let me just say, welcome. God's doing some amazing work here one by one. Please hear me now. You do not want to miss it. You do not want to miss what God's doing in this place. It is time to set down self and it is time to look up and see what God can do in your life, through your life that others might be rocked by him as well. Get to know your king. And uh, look, if God seems small or insignificant, you are looking at the wrong thing. You hearing me? That is not our God. All right. So he keeps breaking down the metaphor here. He says, and, uh, and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So uh, he says, listen, you're a letter, author, Christ himself, from Christ. Jesus is like, I'm going to tell this world who I am. And so he starts changing your soul. That's what's going on. You're a letter from Christ. If you've trusted Christ as your savior, if you're leaning on him as your king, if you've confessed him as your Lord, he's writing a letter to others through you. Like, you're a letter, author, Christ, delivered by us. The apostle's like, are you kidding? I'm not lifting me up. I'm lifting Christ up. He's the author. I just happen to be the messenger. I'm just delivering the thing. I'm just walking up with it, and I'm like, here's the letter. And I hand it over, your lives on fire for Christ. And uh, That's our privilege as pastors, is we're nothing more than deliverers of the message of you on fire. And uh, our job is to help us all get there. And our job is to make much of our God along the way. And uh, by the way, a little stopping point here for a moment. Think of the tragedy now. If the author is Christ and the messenger is a man. And the messenger steps in and starts stealing the glory from the author. Right? We would call that plagiarism today. Right? You start stealing away what is his and... How often do speakers get up and they start stealing away from God and they try to make it much about themselves? Please, not much of man, much of our king. He is the author. And all of God's people said, do not lose track of our God. It says, a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, the medium, the spirit of the living God, changing your heart, writing on your soul. Do you believe in that? 
Do you believe that God is actually doing a work in you, transforming you, teaching you, not getting you to work it up and muscle it yourself, but the Spirit doing a work in you? That's the ink. God having His way with you. And, uh, look, man, obedience. It's an important moment for you to taste of your God as you follow through with what he's saying. But I'm telling you, that's not the end point. The end point is his glory. And part of his glory gets shared out as people look and they see you getting your God and excited about your God and him literally changing you to make you different. And they're like, I don't understand what's different about you now. And you literally can say the words, well, because I've met Jesus Christ, I'm saved. And he's doing things in me I did not understand or believe. And uh, notice it says, written on the tab, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. You changed here. That's the goal. Like as we look at the next six weeks and all I need, we're looking here. And God's work in your soul as he begins to reveal himself to you and show you where he's taking you next. And that journey is a little different for each one of us. But I'm telling you, it's a journey. And it's time to get on it. It's time to meet your God and be stunned with who he is. Down with being so impressed with this world and up with being stunned with the grandeur of your king. There is something phenomenal about him. What am I missing if I don't see it, God? Show me. Show me. All right? So uh, Paul's talking about letters of recommendation and, and commendation. And, and uh, this was a cultural thing back then, right? Like I was saying, they sent these letters around with people. And when people were actually getting started speaking, like they were not allowed to walk into a church and just start talking. And uh, they needed a commendation letter from somewhere. And uh, if Paul didn't speak for him or somebody else in a local ministry where they were thriving, they were going nowhere. So you know what a lot of people would do? They would forge a letter of recommendation. Self-proclamation, you know what I mean? This guy is awesome. Yeah. He really can do the, you've never seen the, yeah. Uh, Maybe that's a little too thick. I better throw that one away. I'll start this one. This guy is, well, he's getting it together and God's using him, right? And they write their own letter of recommendation. And then they would go out to these churches and they would literally, because they, how do you check, right? There's no cell phone, right? There's no Pony Express. And this church is distant. They're like, Paul says, and they would show him a letter of commendation from Paul, but Paul never wrote it. And uh, it's a self-proclamation in the moment. They actually maybe even write someone else's name on it. Now they give them a a chance and they start talking in the church and people like it. And they're like, could you write me a letter of commendation as I move forward? Just about what God's doing here. And they would write, the church at Ephesus has been so rocked by the, and then they hand it to the guy. And now he throws his away because it was a lie. It was fake, right? And now he's walking around with a church's commendation. That's what was going on. So let's bring it into modern day society. Um, Paul's like, listen. I am not trying to be an American Idol wannabe. You know what I'm talking about? Like those first three or four weeks of American Idol where they get up and they're like, so are you a singer? And they're like, oh yeah. Self-proclamation, right? 
And they're like, has anybody ever told you that you sing well? My mom. Okay. (laughs) Talk to your mom, first of all. What's up? That's not love, mom. Right? Tell them where they really are at. You know what I mean? It's not wrong to say, honey, you need to sit down. Right? That's not a bad piece of love there. Okay? And instead they put them up. So I was going to actually get... I really did this. I went online and I looked for the worst performances of American Idol. Dude, that'll make you cringe. And I was going to put one up, but I couldn't find actually a very healthy uh, lyrics. So we're not going to listen. Just imagine yourself cringing. But uh, I went through and listened to the top 10. And uh, I'm telling you, it was worse than bad. You physically hurt for them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those moments where you're like, oh, dude, can't you hear it? Like, like, stop, right? And, and when they start laughing at them, have you ever seen those moments where they're turning around and cracking up? They can't believe the lack of like self-awareness going on, right? And uh, these guys are looking for the, I have self-proclaimed and I got mom to proclaim with me. Will you give me a letter of commendation to move forward? And they're like, no, right? The, the Simon Cowell moment, uh, Dude, you are the worst singer in America. He said that three times on the the 10 that I listened to. You are the worst singer in America. And you need to hear me say this now. Don't sing again, right? (laughs) Clarity. And uh, why? Listen, a lot of times we try to go somewhere that we shouldn't be going. We try to be a part of something we shouldn't be a part of. And all too often, we try to get there through self-proclamation and the desire of making much of ourselves. And uh, we may have one person next to us that's nudging us and going, dude, you can do it. Let God convince you of it as you slowly serve where you're at. And the people around you literally start confirming that in you. And there's a growing up in because people around you are being changed by you following Christ. Are you hearing me? Now, that's a little different, actually. If you think about it, a lot of times when we think about Scripture and following God, we're like, okay, it's about me, and I'm going to get me right with Him, and, and that's what... But, but here, when it comes to serving, you're literally saying, Lord, use me in the lives around me. And just humbly serving where you're at and letting God use that and grow you up into positions, I'm telling you, it will rock your world in trust for your King, and watching God own this world. And you're not here for you. You're just here to make much of your God. Simple question. Are you self-proclaiming? You need to know me. I'm awesome. How come they don't know that I just get into serving positions, humbly serve, and let God lift you up in due time? Okay? Maybe let's say it this way. Are you ignoring the loving guidance of people around you that are telling you to not go that direction? It shouldn't work. You don't want to be there. And, uh, listen well. Take steps wisely. And let your letter of commendation be the people around you and the impact you're having. That should start with family, move out into friendships, and even into the church-wide. All right? May God be glorified. Number two. Trust Christ. Have confidence through Jesus that God will do great things. Trust Christ. Have confidence through Jesus that God will do great things. And uh, remember, the question that's at hand here is, who's sufficient to do these things? 
And the implication was like, we are as ministers, right? And he's going to explain some of that now. And have you ever gone out and ordered pizza and every time you order, it comes back different? Do you know what I'm talking about? And sometimes it's greasy and sometimes it's cold and sometimes it's even a little thinner than the last time and you ordered the same kind. Sometimes it tastes really good. Sometimes you're like, what in the world? Like it's totally inconsistent. You know what I'm talking about? And you can get whichever restaurant you want in mind on that now. I won't give a name. And now you've got this restaurant of pizza in mind where you're like, really? Are we going to order from there? You never know, right? And uh, not real excited about getting that order in, right? Now Giordano's. Every single time. Awesomeness. Gooey cheese. Can you imagine this at the 11 o'clock service? It's going to be rough. <laughs> Gooey cheese and the great taste and the sausage that's just perfectly spiced and not overspiced and got to get the thick. It's amazing the thick and you're getting it and it's every time it's always got the same flavor. And every time we're in Chicago, we're like, we're going to hit Giordano somehow, somewhere. It's either that or Lou Malnati's. I'll hit either one of them. They deliver, man. Well, right. And uh, pizza. It's an easy analogy to the, when it's totally inconsistent, you don't really get that excited or salivating on it. And when it's awesome, like Giordano's, you do. And all right, get ready. Get ready here. He says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. He's like, let me tell you something. Every time I go to Jesus Christ, constantly he delivers. Always phenomenal. Always what I'm expecting, never disappointing. He has what I need. He brings it along. And such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. And all of God's people said, are you hearing it? Not that I'm sufficient in and of myself. There's nothing I'm doing that's so great and awesome. Anything happening through me that's life-changing will meet the life-changer, Jesus Christ himself. May we worship him. May we glorify him. May we always have confidence in him. It is always, always worth going to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is phenomenal. I wrote these words down. Christ is fixing the unfixable. He is restoring the unrestorable. He is redeeming the unredeemable. He's at work in you, Jesus Christ. Such is our confidence. And, uh, and if you are in a moment where you do not have confidence in Christ, please hear me. Either you are getting in the way, you're letting sin be much in your life, and you're happy to have it there or you don't really know Christ yet at all. Those are the only two choices. He will stun you. And so you're like, well, I don't know that I'm in that deep of it. I can't think of any specific, but I'm not real thrilled at the moment. I'm not really saying that. Okay. Then let's make this week set it down. Lord, show me your awesomeness. I am ready to be convinced like never before of your stunning glory. Lord, whatever I need to see, whatever sin needs to go, I'm telling you, you get it out of the way. Your eyes get opened up. God starts doing a work in you. You will never, ever be the same again. 
when it comes to Jesus Christ. Get it going with him, okay? So such is the confidence we have through Christ. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything comes from us. Uh, That would be ignorance. The source is somewhere else, right? It's like turning on a water faucet and the water comes out and you're like, this faucet is awesome. And look at the water. And the, the water's not coming from the faucet. It's coming through the faucet, right? So you can like the look of the faucet and all the rest, but the faucet is not the gig, man. The water's coming from another source. And uh, make sure we see it that way. Jesus Christ, he's the awesomeness. And it says, God is our sufficiency. Now, we've already talked about it. We've ruined that word. God is, our, God is sufficient, right? You say that, and, eh, he's okay. Yeah, we're missing it. Like he is all I need. Nothing but him. That's all I need. If I have God, he is 100% capable of turning me in the right direction. My God, there is no one bigger. There is no one more powerful, period. There is no one more capable, period. Is your security found in God? Or maybe let's put it this way. When we find our security in anything other than God, it's idolatry. When we find our security in anything other than God, it's idolatry. Where's your security? You know, top ones in America, money, success, right? Money's a big one, isn't it? But then I can't, I can't pay the bills if I don't have money. Hey man, I'm not saying money is a bad thing. Use it wisely. All right. But if your security is in money, I'm just telling you, money can go tomorrow. And be careful. This world is fleeting. And, or maybe it's success. You know, I need people to know my name. I need them to understand what I've accomplished. And be careful. We're back to point number one and self-proclamation and uh, some other ones. Popularity, looks, knowledge. I need them to know what I know and how wise I am. The world's got a lot of alternatives. Some of them actually work for a short season. Be careful. If you have your security set in anything other than God, you will be disappointed in the end. It does come up short. It does not deliver. Okay? So uh, top five ways that he is all I need. Top five ways that God is sufficient, to use the biblical word. He is all I need. Number one, his grace is sufficient. Literally in the midst of every struggle, God will be pouring into you. He will bringing you through it. He will actually be working a work on the cross and Christ doing a work in and through you. And he will be carrying the load and his grace is sufficient. There is no problem too big. There is no moment too big. There is no rebellion too large. You don't know what I've done, man. You don't, you don't know the sin where I've been and, and Christ does and he's got it covered. The end. My grace is sufficient. And uh, second, his word. His word is fully sufficient to equip us unto every good work. His word. Trust in the Bible for direction. Long for God's word to speak to you. Look for direction from his word. Taking time to hear what he has to say. Not just reading it in a cursory glance and going, I don't know, it didn't really move me today. Okay, how many times do we spend our time in devotion? We're like, all right, devotions. Feel terrible. Skipped it for a week and a half, two weeks. Here we go. Uh, 
uh, done. Yes. <laughs> then we walk out and we're like, I don't know. I really don't understand. Bible seems overrated. And uh, spend some time saying, God, what are you showing me about you? And what are you showing me about me? You'll be stunned at what you find. What are you showing me about you? What are you showing me about me? And uh, his word, fully sufficient. So his grace is sufficient. His word, uh, his hedge of protection. Third, his hedge. Did you know that he only lets you into the trials and struggles that he's authored and he's walking you through those and there's a myriad of things he has not walked you through. And so whatever moment you're in and some of us are in devastating moments right now, your God is right there with you and his hedge of protection is around you and his grace is sufficient and his word is clear. Hear your God and let him move in you. All right? The problem is sufficient for the day. Let's uh, down with worry, up with trust. Okay? His grace, his word, his hedge. Number four, his provision. His provision is sufficient. Look, he calls us to do and be about things. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God's not like, hey, good luck with that because I didn't give you enough to get it done. And I don't know how you're going to get that done, but I'm just telling you, I'm holding you accountable anyway. Like a lot of us think that's who God is. And he doesn't, he understand. And I can't. And yeah, he fully understands. And his provision in is fully sufficient. Financial, material, intellectual, heart. God at work in you. His provision is sufficient. Lean on him. And then the last one, his glory. Second Corinthians 3 here at the end of the passage, which we'll look at at the end of this series, tells us that his glory literally transforms us. His glory alone is all that's needed to take you to places you could never get to yourself. His glory. We have a God who's pouring in his grace, giving us his word, protecting us with his hedge, providing all we need to get done what he's asking, and pouring in his glory to change us so we're more capable than we ever were before. That's our God. Yeah, we have all that we need. So we're going to take these pieces here, the all that I need list. We're going to break that out over the next weeks. And that's the sermon series. That's where we're going to be walking through is digging deep into each of these pieces and taking a look at what God's got in store for us, whether we're in struggle or victory right now, whether God seems huge to us or small to us. Man, this is a life changing set of looks at verses. May God get the glory and, uh, Notice he says that we are uh, made, he has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Yeah, there is a new covenant out there, a message of hope and salvation, a message of Christ and victory. And Jesus Christ is his, is the glory at the center of it and his work on the cross. And we have the privilege of being a part of it only because of the work that Christ is doing in us. We literally can be taking salvation, hope to this world, literally. That's privilege, man. And only because of the work he's done. And uh, he says here at the end, uh, it is not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about the Old Testament versus the New. He's talking about law versus grace. And he's like, look, law entraps. We already saw it in Romans, right? Law makes it clear. I come up short. It measures and it finds me in need. 
law. It doesn't change me. Knowing what I need to do just makes it clear I can't do it. Right? I come up short. Law. It's a problem. It leads to death alone. And it makes clear the need for a savior. Faith alone is our hope. New covenant. Where he does a work on our hearts. Where he changes us from the inside out. God doing amazing things that we could never accomplish as we try to muscle it. Which is why we always say encounter your God in the word. Exalt him. Worship him. Spend time with him. It's where his glory pours on you. And then get engaged. If you go from word to engage, you're still on the muscle in it plan. And you're going to find it woefully short. This isn't working. I keep doing this and I keep tripping later. And that's because there's not enough exaltation and worship. We're going to be talking about that in this series. Lord, unlock it so that I can be blown away by you and worship you all the more. And uh, all right, let's go back to the pizza analogy. Man, time to stop ordering off the lousy menu of self. All right? It is time to stop ordering from the fast delivery of security that this world offers. And it is time for us not to go outside of Christ, but go straight to him. It's time to trust the best of the best. The Giordanos of the spiritual world. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's, that's got to be heresy at some level. I'm not sure where, but... I'm just telling you, God is awesome and never comes up short and never leaves you wanting. Lean in with your Savior. He is so worth knowing. Number three, hang on. Get ready for his glory unveiled to blow you away. Get ready for his glory unveiled to blow you away. And uh, I debated whether to put this section into this passage this week or to hold it for the end and I think we need a taste of what we're talking about. So here we go. Starting in verse 7. Now if the ministry of death, everybody say that's the law. law. Alright. If the ministry of death carved letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Everybody say even more glory. That's what we're talking about. Even more glory. And uh, so let's make sure we understand this story. Exodus 33, Moses is talking with God. God's like, Moses, what do you want here? He's like, show me your glory. And God's like, you can't handle my glory. Right? That sounds close to another thing. Yeah. You can't handle my glory. And he's like, please, God, show me your glory. And he's like, fine. Turn around backwards. Get in the crevice. My spirit will protect you here in this way with a coverage over. I'm going to come by and just let my back be shown to you. And that little taste of the Almighty's glory, that little touch, literally, physically transforms Moses where his face begins to beam it lights up every cell of his body and he starts pouring out listen to me God's glory is not some word God's glory is not some idea God's glory will literally physically spiritually change you in an instant it is time to taste his glory all I need. 
It is time for him to rock your world and move you to levels you have never been to before. Where you start seeing him in ways you never have. You're having victory like you never have before. God at work in you. You literally will begin to beam forth. There will be a showing on your countenance of you have been with your God. And it's changing you. Just a taste of God's back. And Moses was different. He literally had to put a mask on, a veil. And he walked around with that veil trying to cover up the beaming of his face. He came back down and people were like, whoa, dude, what happened to you? I was with God. Right? I better put a veil on it. Y'all can't handle that. And a huge change in your life as you spend time with your king. And uh, he says here, Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Are you expecting? Are you looking for that? Are you longing for that? We were talking with someone this past week in a world of hurt, and her statement was, I long for just a taste of that God and that glory. Do you? He doesn't come up short. He never misses on the delivery. It is always beyond measure perfect. All too often, if we're finding it coming up short, it's in us. It's time to get some sin out. Let's just be blunt. Time to get self out of the way. If we're missing on it, God's teaching us something to let go of. And he's leaving us a little starved on self till we figure out how to say, Lord, enough of that. Please forgive me. I'm leaning on you in this thing. And we're going to him with all we've got. He says here, For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, everybody say that's the law. The ministry of righteousness, everybody say that's grace, must far exceed it in glory. I'm telling you the new covenant is a far exceed plan. Okay? And uh, when you're looking on the menu of glory, new covenant is where it's at. All right? And uh, indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. It's blown away with the awesomeness of God. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Here's the beauty. Paul's tipping his hand. There are no more new rules. There are no changes. The grace plan is it and it lasts for eternity. Are you hearing me? The grace plan is it, and it lasts for eternity. Jesus Christ and him glorified. All too often, we're in it for this. All right, well, what's it going to do for me? What's it going to change in me? How can I get after this in a way that, are you hearing it? And every time you ask the me question, you're going to miss on the glory because it's too much here. It's time to say, God, you. I'm ready for you to be glorified through me. Show your glory in me. Change me. May your changing of me reflect back to you. As people kind of go like this. Well, clearly it's not him. Right? That's so far above what that guy's capable of. And you need to be like, yep. That's where it goes. You bet. It's my God having a work in me. And that's where we're at. Showing off your God in all his glory. It is not good enough. To say, Lord, 
I think I understand the ritualistic statements and a few of the phrases, and I'll try to quote a passage, and maybe I'll open the Bible and read one word or two here or there, and, and you're missing on all of the grandeur that he has to offer. Here's my request to you this week. Long like Moses for God to show you his glory. Do not be satisfied with anything less than the glory that surpasses all other. Long for your God and his perfection and his presence to change you like never before. Time with him. Sin out of the way. Honoring and exalting and thanking him for all that he is. And letting him have his speak into your life. And God will begin to do a work. Day by day, piece by piece. Long for his glory. Now that's sufficient. And all of God's people said, let's pray.